just like you've seen the inmost place of that apple, you've seen its core. Each of us has a core, this deep place inside of us where we find some really important things. We find what we've been seeing here in this series, our core values and our core behaviors. And I'll just give you a quick review. And if you are like clueless and lost in these next few minutes, I really encourage you to check out Core Part 1 on our podcast because it'll go into a lot of detail and lay a lot of the foundation that you may have missed. But here's my best shot at like a 30-second review. Deep inside you there, you find your core values. And your core values are, are pretty simple. They're just what you and I, what we believe matters most. So deep inside you, you find those values. And then those values drive your core behaviors. And your core behaviors are what you and I do in response to what we value. And so we have our values. Our values drive our behaviors. And so the simplest way to say it is this, is we value certain things so we behave in certain ways, right? And this is true of all of us. Deep inside of us, we have these values. They drive our behaviors, and you can see it in all different ways in our lives. I've given you all kinds of examples so far. Um, A few weeks ago, I talked about how in our family, we really value a good prank, and that drives a lot of our behavior. Well, the same is true of us here at the church. We love, as a full-time staff, to mess with each other a good bit. And uh, if you were here like six months to a year ago, you remember I did a series, and I talked about in one of the messages this aroma, the Bible talks about this aroma, and so I lit this epic candle. It's a caramel toffee candle. You guys remember that? This smells so good. I've been tempted to eat it on many occasions. It's so legit. And so I came back to the office the week after I did that message, and I thought I'd put this candle up on my desk, and I couldn't find it. I'm like, what is going on? And so I came down on the stage. I was looking around. I was looking backstage. I still couldn't find it. But the weird thing was, I went upstairs, and every once in a while in my office, I would smell the candle. I'd be like, what is going on? And now, the funny thing was, this candle also came with a top kind of like this, and kind of like this top, it had some of the candle wax melted on it. And so I'm thinking to myself, is it strong enough, like just the top, that I could smell this every once in a while, and it's making the whole, the whole office smell? And, and you know, we have a skylight in our office. I share, Andrew, uh, I share an Andrew with my office. Uh, I share my office with Andrew. And so we have the skylight. And so I was thinking, man, is the sun, like, coming in at certain hot days of the year and hitting it and heating up this top that it's making the office smell like this? And so, man, I, I just couldn't figure it out. For months, like a couple of days a week, the office smelled just like this candle. And yet my staff said, nah, we haven't seen it. Don't know where it is. And so I'm trying to figure out what is going on. I finally gave up. And I went out and I bought my hazelnut cream candle, which also smells good and tastes good. Not that I would know, but uh, really good stuff here. And so I remember walking into the office one day and saying, Andrew, I finally replaced that other candle that we lost that somehow is still smelling up the office. But here we go. Now we'll just smell this one. And he starts hysterically laughing and he pulls out my candle, my original candle from underneath his desk. Because what he had done is the night after I spoke, I did put it up on my, my desk, just like I thought. And the worship pastor at our church stole it and then lied about it for three months. And here's what he did. He actually lit it underneath his desk about a couple times a week. So I'd be sitting at my desk and I'm like, Andrew, do you smell that? He's like, yeah, yeah, I do smell that. Like, what, what is going on here? Doug, I don't know what's going on here. And there it is lit under his desk. In fact, he said one day... Uh, he was working on a graphic for one of the bulletins or the screens, and I wanted to check it out. And I went running over to his desk, and he wasn't ready for me. He had it lit right there. And so he slid in and kind of like hid it from me. And I'm like, man, I really smelled strong right now, you know? Now, maybe I'm not the smartest guy in the world, or maybe I should be able to trust a pastor who leads us to the throne of Jesus weekly 
that he wouldn't lie and steal. No, actually, I thought it was hysterical because he, he let it go on for so long. He, you know, months and months he let this go on. And so there you have it. Our values drive our behaviors. And the same is true for you. You value certain things. It drives you to behave in certain ways. And so we've been talking about how if that's true, if our values drive our behaviors, then we have to be sure that we're valuing the right things. Right? If my values are linked to my behaviors, man, i got to be intentional about valuing the correct things because my behavior is going to end up following. And here's what we've been seeing in this series, that right values lead to right behaviors, which lead to right roads. And a couple of things we got to be clear about. We are not saying behavior matters because it saves you. We are not saying that. Your behavior does not save you. My behavior does not save me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, that's the last thing I'm saying tonight. What I'm saying tonight is that Jesus saves every one of us, though none of us deserve it. Yet, Jesus said that whoever hears God's word and obeys it will be blessed. Okay, And so while you and I can do nothing to earn God's salvation, we can, once we've been given this salvation, respond to that salvation with love and gratitude. And we can be on these blessable roads. We can be on these roads that God is saying, hey, I'm going to bless you for walking down that road in the way that I want you to. You're going to see my hand at work in your life. You're going to see me revealing myself more to you. You're going to see how my hand will bless you. And be with what you're doing as I'm leading you down this road. So being on the right road really goes back to our our values. And so a year ago, we sat down as a staff and we began to say, okay, well then what should we value? If we need to be intentional about valuing certain things so we end up with the right behaviors on those blessable roads, then what should we value? And so we have started talking about a few of those so far. The first and the most important one we talked about was Christ-centeredness. The next week we talked about the Holy Spirit's leading and power. The third week we talked about genuine community, and we just had a bunch of community groups kick off this past week, which I understand were awesome, so I'm really excited about that. I heard the place was packed out Wednesday night with all different groups all over the building. And last week we talked about discipleship, and we talked about just being the real thing, being a genuine follower, aiming at holiness and repenting when we fall short. Now tonight I want to talk with you guys about our fifth core value, which drives our behavior. And our fifth core value is this, excellent environments. We value excellent environments. And the way that we behave because of that is we strive to never be boring, but create engaging and exciting atmospheres. Now, that might not seem very spiritual, but I can guarantee you it is. It might not seem relevant to your life, but I can guarantee you it is. And we're going to talk about how this is something that's really important to us here but it should be important to you in your personal lives too. Because really what I want to talk with you guys about tonight is excellence. Is the importance of aiming at excellence. Why it's such a big deal. Now, there's a few reasons excellence is tough to aim at in our lives. Okay, Whether it be what we do here at the church or what you guys do in your personal lives. Excellence can be tough for a couple of reasons. First of all, excellence is hard work, right? To be excellent is really, really hard. It's difficult. It's not easy to be excellent or everybody would do it, right? When I was a kid, my whole family would go to this camp for like two weeks. And there was this one counselor up there. His name was Counselor Dan. He's definitely in jail now, no doubt in my mind. Shifty dude. But I do remember him saying this. I remember him saying this. He said that hard work is never easy. Hard work is never easy. He used to tell us that. We'd whine and complain about this thing or that thing. Going on. Hard work's never easy, he'd yell at us. You know? And he's saying that in jail now. That's great. But, but, but here's, here's what's it's so true. Excellence, it's hard. Hard work's not easy. Being excellent is not easy, and so we struggle, right? It's not easy to create, as a church, engaging, exciting atmospheres that feel fresh and alive and exciting. 
That's tough. That's a lot of hard work. It's not easy week after week to say, all right, I'm going to give my heart to a few verses, and I'm going to dig down deep and try to present them in such a way that, man, they're going to encourage people, and they're going to convict people, and they're going to spur people on to live the life that God wants them to live. That's not easy to do week in and week out. We aim at it. It's not easy to have um, all these volunteers that show up. We have so many volunteers in this church. For our church our size, it's honestly ridiculous. How many of you guys have said, yeah, we're in, and we're going to give, and we're going to show up early? And I mean, our band on Sundays is here like 8 to 10 hours. Our production team, similar hours. Uh, so many, I mean, we have guys standing out in the cold tonight out there. I mean, they do get Jedi lightsabers. That's pretty legit. But, but they're, they're out there doing their thing. I mean, we have so many different amazing teams here. But I'll tell you what, it's not easy to aim at excellence as a church. And you guys know, you know what, the same is true with your personal lives, right? Some of you guys, your job, you're like, man, it's really hard to aim for excellence there. It's really hard. It's hard not just to get kind of in coast mode and just do what I kind of have to do. It's hard not to just to show up and do it so I get a paycheck. It's hard to really aim at excellence there. Some of you guys are saying, man, it's hard at home it's really hard at home to, to aim at excellence. In fact, I would guess that's the hardest place that we all have to aim at excellence. To be the, the dad, to be the spouse, to be the mom, to be the, the child that God wants you to be. I mean, I'll tell you what, as a parent, man, it's crazy. I have kids 10, 10 8, and 6, right? I mean, they're here tonight, and they can tell you this. Kids, actually, you're not allowed to listen for about the next 30 seconds. But these guys, they come to me with homework, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank God for the Internet, right? Because they come up. I mean, my 10-year-old will come up and be like, Dad, I got this arithmetic problem. You remember how to do this, right? I'm like, sure I do, you know? It's like falling off a bike. You never forget how, you know? And uh, so, okay, just, just go and uh, do your history now. I'm, I just got to finish up something. He walks off, and I'm like Googling, you know, what is a quotient? Jesus, please help me. What's a, what's a prime number, right? And, and so, so I, and then I can come back and can help, right? But I'll tell you what, man, aiming at excellence, it's hard. It's not easy to do, whether it's here or whether it's, in your workplace or your home, because, man, excellence is hard. Let me tell you another reason it's really difficult to aim at excellence. And maybe you never connected the dots on this one, but I think it's so important. I think one of the reasons we struggle to be excellent is because life is hard. It's not just that excellence is hard, but life is hard, and life is unfair sometimes. And maybe you could recognize this in yourself. I see it in me sometimes. When life is hard, it's like it saps the strength out of me to aim for excellence. You know, it's kind of like we have this attitude like, look, look what all I'm going through now. How do you expect me to do this or that? You know, I'm going through so much. Life's so unfair. It steals sometimes our vision to be excellent and to do things the way God wants us to. Um, some of you, you feel like you have a really unfair boss. That's a really hard work environment. Some of you guys, you're just thinking about a specific teacher right now, a professor at college, man, unfair. Some of you guys feel like you married an unfair spouse. Some of you feel like your parents are unfair. Some of you parents feel like your kids treat you unfairly. So, man, life's hard. Life's unfair sometimes. And sometimes that destroys or at least limits our aim at excellence. And so what do we do about these things? Because life is hard. Excellence is hard. It's not easy. So what's going to motivate us? Well, that's what I want to talk with you about tonight. But before I bring that up, what I want to tell you is why this message is so important, why this value and behavior are so important to us as a church and to you as individuals. The truth is there's so much on the line. 
as a church, what's on the line? Well, here, here's what I know. None of us are Jesus, right? So we can't save anybody. But what I do know is this. As people walk in the door, we either point them to Jesus or we turn them away from Jesus, don't we? And so I know, and I'm trying not to put too much weight on my shoulders here. I'm not God. I can't save anybody, and neither can you, neither can our band or any of our teams. But I'll tell you what, when they walk in, either church and God are going to be exciting and relevant to their life, or they'll be boring and completely irrelevant. God's word, well, the way that I prepare, the way that I pour my heart into what I do will either help people understand that God's word is amazing and exciting and relevant and life-changing, or if I just sit back and download a message from sermon.com and preach something from somebody else, they may find God, man, his word, what does it have to say? And that, that guy didn't even seem very excited about it. Why would I be? And so when we aim at excellence here at a church, we recognize, man, people's eternities in the balance. Their view of God, their view of the Bible is in the balance. And so we want to aim at excellence and work really hard. You know what? For you, some of you guys, some of you older ones, maybe your marriage is on the line. And aiming at excellence, both of you, not just one of you, both of you aiming at excellence just might do what needs to be done. Some of you guys that are younger, maybe your relationship with your parents is on the line. And, and look, there's two sides to every story. There's, there's, there's two parts, you know, it takes two to tango, right? It takes two to make a mess. I understand all that, right? But maybe if you would begin to aim at excellence, man, just what might happen in your relationship with your parents? Yeah, I know, they're always wrong. They're always driving you crazy. Okay, okay. But what if you aimed to be an excellent son or daughter? why you're still living under their roof for a time. Just wondered what would happen. Some of us, it's our job, it's our ability to provide for our future that's on the line. Some of us parents, our kids are on the line. So I would say there is so much at stake as we talk about excellence and how important that it is. And so how do we battle through the fact that life is hard? It's unfair sometimes. How do we battle through the fact that excellence is hard? It is hard work to be excellent as a church and as individuals. Well, I think God is going to help motivate us here tonight. I think what his word says is going to help motivate us in some pretty awesome ways. And I have to give you a little bit of background. I'll give you a little bit more in just a minute. Because the truth is, as we're going to look at some verses tonight, you're going to be kind of shocked at who Paul is talking to. Because Paul's talking about this idea of excellence to a group of people you would never think he would be calling out to live in an excellent way. And so... I'm going to get us into the verses here in Colossians tonight in just a minute, and you're going to see who this group is. But don't freak out on me when, when, when I say the first word, because you're going to get a little uncomfortable when I say this first word in a minute. But just stick with me, and I'll help you understand why it says this and why Paul would be talking to this group. And so Colossians 3, verse 22, the first word, slaves. Wait a minute, Doug. You're telling me that Paul has the audacity to talk to slaves and demand excellence from them? What are you talking about? I mean, if you're not a follower of Jesus, or even if you are, this might be one of the reasons you really struggle with God and Christianity, because it's like, how is this in the Bible? Seriously, they're going to talk to slaves? I mean, is the Bible okay with slavery? Is God okay with slavery? Why is Paul telling slaves here in a few minutes that excellence matters? Well, let's talk about it for a minute, because here's the thing. Slavery is way different in Paul's day when he was writing than when you and I know about slavery in our American history or in any slavery that goes on around the world. First of all, slavery in Paul's day had nothing to do with race. Secondly, 
In Paul's day, slavery had nothing to do with apprehending someone against their will and making them do things that they didn't want to do. You see, here's what was going on in Paul's day. People would get themselves into some type of debt. And what they would do in order to work off that debt is they would become someone's slave and they would work under their um, control and under observation and their leading and direction. And, and here's what you have to understand. Politicians, um, doctors, lawyers, these were people that would sometimes end up in slavery just simply because of debts that they owed. And some people actually said, you know what? Just for the stability of my family being provided for, I'm willing to be your slave if you'll take care of my family. Okay, so we are not talking about slavery like we know. We are not talking about abuse and misuse and, you know, taking someone against their will. In fact, the Old Testament, if you want to get like real hardcore on this, the Old Testament talks about how if anyone apprehends someone against their will and sells them into slavery, that person is to be executed, all right? So that's pretty intense here. And in the New Testament, anytime slavery is brought up, it's brought up talking about the slaves' rights and treating them fairly and rightly and not harshly. And Paul says to slaves, you know what? Earn your freedom. Work off your debt and go and be free. And so we're talking about two different worlds here. But Paul still says slaves. And then he goes on and he says some things about excellence that is really, really unbelievable and motivating. And, and the reason I bring it up, because I wrestled with whether to talk about this or not, because I didn't want you tripping over the slavery thing. But the reason I bring this up is because if Paul's looking at people who are owing a debt and are stuck in that slavery, and he's still talking about excellence, then how much more for you and I? How much more would God look at you and I and say, hey, I, I want excellence. I want to see you aiming your life at excellence. But why? Why? Because life's hard. Excellence is hard. Why? What's going to get me there? Well, let's, let's look at, at what we see here. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. So here he is, hinting at excellence, not, not perfection, right? Let me make that distinction too. Some of you guys remember last week we talked about when we're aiming at genuineness, it doesn't mean perfection. Same thing, when we aim at excellence, we're not talking perfection here. But he says, okay, obey them, right? And he's not talking about obeying them to in, in abusive relationships or any kind of thing like that. It's, again, a totally different ballgame than we're used to. And then he says this, and this is so powerful. This should speak to your life and my life. He says, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor. Right? He's saying, look, don't just do it when they're watching you. Like, don't just be excellent in the moments when you have their attention, you know they're watching. You know, I mean, there's million ways to apply this to our lives. Don't just do it when our boss is watching. Don't just strive for excellence then. Don't just strive for excellence when you know your parents are going to notice. Husbands in the room, don't just do it when your wives are going to give you credit for doing something around the house, right? I mean, I, I know myself, right? I could, I could wash the dishes one of two ways. I could do it in the way that Kelly will never know and I'll get no credit, or I can do it the way she will know and I'll get credit, right? And I'm, I'm opting for number two. And so, so number one, uh, she could be out with the kids and I could get all the dishes done and put away, but, but where's the credit, right? And so, so, so number two is I hear the car pull into the driveway and I close the thing and hit the button. She walks in, the cycle's going and Oh, honey, you did the dishes. <laughs> yeah, look at that. I can't believe it, right? Same thing's true with the laundry, right? I never walk harder. I never take harder steps in my house than when I have laundry in my arms, you know? So, honey, what, what are you doing? I just got the laundry. Just going to go fold it, honey, now and get credit, you know? And so, so, 
you know, Paul here, he's saying, look, don't just do it when their eye is on you. He says, no, 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 aim for excellence, even when they're not looking. And then he goes on, he says, with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Why does he bring God into the equation here? Do it with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Why is God even mentioned here? What, what, is this, what does this have to do with anything? Then verse 23, he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. And so Paul, again, he has them aiming at excellence. How much more you and I should be aiming at excellence? Well, why though? What's the motivation? Well, we start to see in the next part. It says this, as working for the Lord, not for men. As working for the Lord, not for men. He starts to help us understand something. He's going, okay, I want to give you a paradigm shift. I want you to start to see things a little bit different here, differently here. When you think about the work that you do, when you think about excellence at home or at the job or at school, I want you to think about the fact that, man, you shouldn't see it as if you're doing it for people, but see it as if you're doing it for God. See it as if you're doing it ultimately for God. Don't just think, you know, as a volunteer, oh, I'm going to you know, make Doug happy. You know, he's always telling us, do this, do that. I'm just make him happy, shut him up, right? No, no, no. Ultimately, you're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for the people around you. You guys at home, you know, I mean, it's great to serve your, your husband or your wife or your kids or your parents. That's awesome. But what if you did what you do ultimately for the Lord? What if that was your main attention, was on him, was looking to him and what, he was up to. Then he goes on in verse 24. He says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You know, God will bless us. Remember we're talking about being on blessable roads? God wants to reward us. God wants to honor us. God wants his hand to be on our lives in different tangible ways. And he's saying, look, when you aim at excellence, you will see my hand at work in your life, in some powerful ways. I just wonder, I mean, I think some of that reward is going to be an eternal reward, but man, I believe also, and I've seen it, that when you and I honor God and we shoot for excellence, even in our relationships, even in our schoolwork, even at our job, that man, he begins to bless and breathe into those relationships. And then the last part of the scripture here we're going to read tonight says this, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Just in case you had any doubt. Don't just view it as if it's the Lord ultimately you're working for. But no, 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 no. See, it is the Lord you're serving. Well, how does that work? What does this look like in in real terms? Well, I'll give you some examples. This morning at our service at 11, we had 22.6 kids. And 22.6 kids is our environment for children. And it's awesome. And my kids love to go to 22.6 kids. And I love that my kids love to go to 22.6 kids. And when they get downstairs with, their, with the staff, what could happen is Joey and Katie and Stephanie and Allie and, and Kevin and many of the others, Claudio, many of the others that are down there, they could just go, babysitting, whatever, let's just do what we gotta do, make sure none of the kids kill each other, you know, get them all back in one piece to their parents, that's good. No, but instead they go, no, 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 we want this to be awesome. We want kids to look forward to this. We want kids to want to come back. We want, even when parents are bored upstairs listening to Doug, we want the kids to drag their parents back to church week after week after week. We want them to know who Jesus is. We want them to see how awesome he is. And so they're downstairs serving our kids. And as they're serving our kids with the heart of doing it for God, God is ultimately at work in these kids' lives. I love that my kids love our church. 
my son had some friends that were here at church today, and one of them's been coming for a few weeks now. And after the service, my son's friend said to his other friends, he says, man, it always feels like it goes by in like five minutes when I'm here. You know, you're all like, I wish Doug had felt like that with you, you know. But, but, but you're like, man, just that excitement. Man, I remember being a kid and just everything went like that, and you were like, no, it's over. You know, I mean, my wife said that literally... Some of the moms were like dragging kids up the stairs today. Like, you will leave now or die, right? I mean, like, they were like, come on already. But man, as this staff is hard at work, they are ultimately serving God. My kids have a knowledge and an understanding and a love for God that's largely due to that time that they spend with that staff. What else? Well, there's, there's other examples. Our, our cafe team. You ever walk in and you... You just smell something, and it's like, oh, I'm going to follow that smell, you know? Because they're, they're making these ridiculous cakes and cookies and cupcakes and all this ridiculous stuff. And the whole point is, guys, not that, that we're hungry. It's that they know that if they make an excellent environment in there, you and I are likely to go grab some food. And when we're in there, we just might get into a conversation with somebody. And in that conversation, we might be encouraged in our relationship with God. We might be challenged. We might form a lifelong friendship in that place that's going to push us closer to Jesus. And so, yeah, man, they're, they're in there, and they come early. They're here like two hours early before every service, baking stuff and making all these ridiculous things for you guys, not just to serve you, not just because they like to bake, but they know that ultimately it's for God, and God is going to use it. What about in your home? What if you begin to aim, whether you're a parent or a spouse or a child, what if you begin to aim at doing what you do not for your parents, not just for your spouse, not just for your kids, but ultimately for God. With that attitude, saying, God, I want to honor you. See, here's what I think would happen. I mean, I'll just talk in my own understanding of who I am as a dad and a husband. You see, I know that if I treat my wife the right way, that, that's the absolute best thing I could do for my kids and their perception of who God is. And so I know if I honor my wife, then my kids are going to be impacted. I'm, I'm serving my wife as I serve the Lord. I'm blessing my wife as I bless the Lord. I'm blessing my kids as I bless God. And so I know that that's going to be a powerful thing. I also know that maybe, just maybe, over time, our neighbors may start to go, man, what's with this family? They seem to actually like each other. Like, what, what's going on with that? Why do they seem to enjoy time spent together? Why do they seem to really genuinely care and love for each other. My kids are about to like, oh, what family are you talking about, Doug? You're crazy. Right? But man, what if then, within that, we get to tell the people in our neighborhood, man, you know why? Not because I'm great. I'm a mess, man. You know why? It's just the love of God has invaded our hearts. And he's blessed us so much. What about at your workplace or at your school? What if, what if instead of settling, what if only doing your best when the boss or the teacher is looking? What if instead of that, you aim for excellence? And man, I'll tell you what will happen. Over time, your influence is going to grow in that workplace or in your school. People are going to begin to seek you out. And in that opportunity, then you have the chance to talk about the difference that God's made, the, the reason you work so hard, the fact that, man, you view every day as an opportunity, yeah, man, to make some money and, and do well in school and, and you know, bless the people that you work with. But ultimately, man, there's something bigger driving you. I'll tell you what, when you and I aim at excellence, God is going to be seen. It goes right along with those verses we ended with last week, that outsiders will look at us and eventually they'll glorify God as they see our good deeds. I'll tell you, when you and I strive for excellence, that is a form of striving 
to honor God with some good deeds that others are going to look at and say, man, that, that impacts me. It makes a difference in my life. And so this is powerful stuff. Remember years ago, I was at a training when I was a youth pastor. I was at a training for youth leaders. And there was this youth pastor. And he was talking about this one night that he got this idea that for an event for his kids, his youth group kids, he was going to make homemade pizzas for them all. And he, he was so pumped. And he thought his whole youth leader team was going to be right there with him. And no one showed up. And so he's by himself making pizzas for like all these kids. And he's like getting more and more angry. My leaders don't respect me. Kids are just going to throw them at each other. They're not even going to care. And he's there. And he's like literally working through the night to make all these pizzas. And he said, eventually, God just began to convict his heart. And God just began to convict his heart. And and just he felt this, this thought run through his mind. You know, you're not ultimately making those pizzas for kids. You're making them for me. Because tomorrow, all these kids are going to come and, yeah, all right, maybe they will. Maybe they won't appreciate what you did. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't throw them at each other or you. But here's what you can know. As you're serving these kids, you're serving me. Because they're going to come together tomorrow in a fun environment. And they're going to enjoy friendship. And you're going to point them to Jesus through the talk and through the worship. And, and the relationships you're forming with them now is going to impact them later in life. And you never know. In fact, I'm just talking about me now. I got an email today from a guy that I invested in like 10 years ago. And he just, he just called or he just Facebooked me and said, bro, I'm going to do some really hard stuff. Can I, can I talk with you like for an hour every week? And just would you help me through some brokenness in my life? I'll tell you what, that youth leader was investing in those kids in that way and would have those kinds of relationships later on. You know, and so he said his whole attitude changed and he began to, to pray for the event and get excited about it. And he even started to say, God, you want extra pepperoni on this next one? You know, I mean, he was just pumped about what God would do through these stupid pizzas. And you know what? That's exactly what the potential is for you and I, that we would begin to view all the things we do, even the mundane, even the things we don't even enjoy doing, through that lens of ultimately this is for God. Ultimately, this isn't just for me. But man, God can use this. And so we aim for excellence here. And we believe that if you would aim for excellence in what you do, that God will use it in a powerful way. And if Paul can look at slaves and say this, then how much more for you and I that are free? And so what I want you guys to know tonight, and then we'll talk practically for a few minutes, is this idea, is this thought, that excellence matters because everything we do is for God. That's the truth. Excellence matters. It does. It's a big deal. It's important. It's spiritual. Excellence matters because everything we do is for God. And so I feel like what God's saying to me is, Doug, I want you to pour your soul into every message every week. It would be, it would be a sin. It would be wrong. I would, I would be broken if people walked in here week after week thinking, man, Thank God that's why I endured that. But no, I want God's word to be alive to you guys. I want to make a difference in you. I'm not here tonight to teach you information. I want to inspire you to live a different way every single week. To follow Jesus. To do what he's called you and I to do and to be. To be in love with him. That's what I want to happen as a result. And so I think he's saying that to me. I think he's saying to our band, you guys, prepare hard. Continue to strive for excellence. Man, because when you lead worship, you're pointing people to me. And the excellence matters. When I was in college, there was this nicest guy, and he would get up before our student body at Nyack College, and he would play his heart out. But, and I'm not being mean. Don't even laugh. Okay? I'm not, this is not a joke. But, but he really was terrible because he, he just didn't aim at excellence. He didn't put the time in. He didn't know the words. He didn't know the chords. He was singing the wrong notes all the time. And here we were trying to worship God, 
but he was straight up distracting us from worshiping God. And I so appreciate about our team, man, our band, that they come in week after week, excellent, ready to point you guys to God without distraction. And they're just passionate about seeing people worship Jesus. That goes on for all our teams because ultimately, guys, I'm writing messages not, not for you. I mean, yeah, for you, but ultimately for God. The band's preparing not for you, but ultimately for God in every single team that we have. I think outside the church, God is saying to you guys, love your spouse and your children and your parents like you're doing it for me. Yeah, but you, Doug, you don't know the story and you don't know the background. You don't know what this and that. Okay, I, I don't. And you know what? There's layers and there's things that maybe need to be worked through. I understand that. But man, I just think God could do some huge things if, if you'd begin to love your spouse and kids and parents the way that God wants you to, ultimately for him. But Doug, they're so imperfect. They're such a mess. I understand that. You're not ultimately doing it for them, though. You're doing it for him. How powerful could that be? Be excellent at work and school. Don't badmouth the boss or the teachers like everybody else. Don't just get by. But honor God. I don't even know if you guys have ever felt this way. I remember I wasn't the best student in the world. But I do remember that there were times when I knew my stuff and I went into a test and I felt ready. And guys, I'm just telling you, there's a joy just in that. Knowing that you worked hard and you prepared and you're ready and you're ready to honor God with the intellect that he gave you. There's a joy. I love getting up on the stage on a day when I've worked really hard on a message and I know that I've given my all. Man, I know I did all I could by God's grace to be ready for this and try to present to you the truth that Jesus is awesome and his word is life-changing. There's a joy in that. There's an excitement in it. There's a passion. I have a hard time sleeping on Saturday nights because I'm pumped to get up here and do what I believe God's called me to do. And so... I'll just kind of ask you guys some questions about in here and then out of here, okay? In the church, in the church, what would it look like for you to aim for excellence? Maybe you're on a team. I'll tell you, I think our teams are already aiming for excellence, and I'm so thankful for that. Maybe you're not on a team yet. What if you begin to look around at the teams we have and say, you know what? I could bring a level of excellence to this team. I could jump on this team, and I could help. I could pour in to what's going on here and bless God and bless the church as I use my gifts. I'll tell you one thing you can do. You don't even have to join a team. That's just be friendly and loving to those around you. The most excellent Christians ever are is when they're just straight up loving. And so just as people come in, just being friendly to those around you, being kind and, and you know, going out of your way to talk with somebody who's sitting by themselves, that could be really, really powerful. Outside the church, in your personal life, what do you need to aim at excellence with? What areas of your life do you begin to need to say, God, I got to tell you, I'm not the student I could be. I'm coasting. I'm not the worker I could be. God, I want you to use me at my school. I want you to use me in my workplace. I'm not the husband I could be. I'm not the wife or the child or the parent I could be. I'm not the neighbor I could be. I know there's more. I know I could aim for excellence and God could be at work. If you're on our volunteer team, then we've trained you with this question. You, you know this, and everybody else will think this is real weird, but I'll explain it in a second. If you're on a volunteer team, you know what I mean when I say, what would blank think? Because we've trained you that way. See, what we say to our volunteers is, we all have somebody in our life that we really, really want 
to come to know Jesus. We've invited them to come to church. We're so pumped for the day they walk through the door. And so one of the ways we've trained our team is to go through every service just thinking, what would blank think? What would that person think? Like my buddy Rob, I really am praying that he'll walk through the door one day. And, and the day Rob walks through the door, I want every team to be like hitting it 100%. You know what I mean? Just like you. When you when, who's your, who's your fill-in-the-blank person, you know? What would blank think? Imagine as they walk through the door, you want my message to be on target. You want the band to be solid, the production. You want the cafe like wafting ridiculous smells. I mean, you just want it to be the most epic day ever. What would blank think? And we want our volunteers going through their service thinking that. What would blank think? And we want them thinking about who their fill in the blank is. So what would John think? What would Bill think? What would Susan think? If they were here with me walking through this service, what would they think about how excellent everything is here? And I think that's a great tool, but we're going to one-up it. Because really what Paul did here for us tonight is he, he tweaked that question a little. Instead of what would Rob or Susan or Paul think, ultimately what he is asking us to go through our day with in mind is this question, what would God think? What would God think? Tomorrow at school or work, well, you have a holiday, great. Tuesday at school or work, what would God think? about your excellence, about what you aim for. Not perfection, but what you're aiming for. As you guys jump in the car and you head home with maybe your family tonight, what would God think about the way you treat one another? You're aiming for excellence in those relationships. It could be so, so powerful. Now, some of you guys are thinking, Doug, I, I just, I feel overwhelmed by this. How can I do everything with excellence? That's next week's message, so come back. We're gonna talk about that. But would you dream with me for a second and then we'll pray? I just wonder what our church would be like if every one of us engaged and we said, I'm gonna serve this church and ultimately God with excellence. I just wonder what would happen. I wonder what your marriage would look like if you said, all right, God, what do you think? I wanna serve my spouse, love my spouse with you in mind. When I have you in mind, I can overlook their imperfections because you overlook mine. Parents, children, same question. What would God think? You guys go to work and school this week. What would God think about the way that you're aiming your life at excellence? You see, excellence matters because everything we do is for God. If you're not a follower of Jesus or even if you're a Christian, you're tripping over this idea of slavery, let me just give you one thought. You see, Christianity is all about Jesus coming and dying in our place. And the amazing thing about Jesus, who is God, fully God, is that he came and wasn't just treated like a slave, he was treated worse than a slave. He came and put himself in your place and my place and took our sin and shame. And you know what? He constantly had this idea of excellence that he was gonna honor his father that he came for you and he loves you, but ultimately his eyes were on the Father, saying, I'm gonna aim everything at you, God. I'm gonna do everything you called me to do here. And they're gonna treat me like a slave, in fact, worse than the slave. They're gonna treat me like dirt. But ultimately, God, it's all gonna be for you. And that's why you and I have even a shot at salvation. It's because of him. And so tonight, if you want a relationship with Jesus, I would love to pray with you in just a minute. But if you already have a relationship with Jesus, I would love for you to just take some time 
as we pray for a second and then through the last worship set and then even into our prayer time if you want to stay for it and just ask that question. What would God think? What does excellence look like? What am I not aiming my life at excellence with? Because excellence matters because everything we do is for God. Let's pray. God, I thank you that excellence is a spiritual thing. God, that it's something important. It's something that matters. People's eternity is on the line. People's marriage is on the line. Our job's on the line. Our witness at our jobs and our schools on the line. So much on the line, God. So much at stake. And so, God, we come to you tonight just needing you. And so, God, would you help us to aim our lives at excellence? I thank you we're not alone in this. I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you are alive in us and you are at work in our lives. So if you're a follower of Jesus, would you just take a couple minutes and would you just ask yourself that question, where am I not aiming at excellence? Where in my life? And then would you ask God for help? Just the Holy Spirit to give you all that you need to be the spouse, the boss, the parent, the friend, the child, the worker at school, the employee that he wants you to be that ultimately you'd be serving God and lives would be changed. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love to give you just a minute to, to look to Jesus and put your faith in him if you want to. And so you, if you want a relationship with Jesus today, if you want to respond to this God who humbled himself and came as a slave, worse than a slave, and was beaten and broken for you, then you can pray something like this silently. Jesus, thank you for coming in my place. Thank you for your forgiveness and love. Thank you for your mercy. I don't deserve it, God. I thank you for all you've done. So God, would you forgive me for my sin? I thank you for this gift of salvation that you're giving me tonight. Would you show me how real you are? Would you help me aim my life at excellence and live in a way that everything I do is for you?